Hey, Praise Chapel family, this is Pastor Isaac Roman. Uh, thanks for tuning in today. Uh, today, I have a, I'm speaking a message that's called Point of Decision, and we're contrasting really two, two paths of life. Uh, we had Judas Iscariot and Jesus on this Holy Wednesday. And so tune in, understand what the difference was and uh, how our choices uh, could lead us to a path that we didn't really expect. Well, welcome, Praise Chapel family. Uh, such an honor and a privilege to be with you tonight and worship with you. Uh, such a great time in the presence of God with our worship team and just uh, setting an atmosphere uh, for us to minister. And so we appreciate that so much. Again, I, I want to give you an opportunity even right now, uh, if, if you have a family member or a friend or a coworker that you think could benefit from these live streams and specifically this message tonight, I'm telling you, I, I feel, I feel uh, that God has given me a great word. Um, I, want you to, I want you to share this right now. Send it via text message or whatever it is, however you want to send, uh, send this, this live stream, but uh, invite some people even right now. Uh, and and uh, I just believe that God is going to help us tonight. And, and God has a word that he wants to speak to us. Uh, I, I want to, before I go any further, I want to acknowledge and, and, um, and honor our senior pastors, Pastor Omar and Sister Letty. Appreciate them so much. Appreciate uh, their leadership, especially even now in a time of uncertainty and, and a lot of different things going on. Uh, they, they've been consistent in, in the mandate. They've been consistent in the ministry. And so uh, I just appreciate them so much. And I'm going to ask you to continue to pray for our pastors. Continue to pray for Pastor Omar and Sister Letty as they continue to lead uh, this, uh, this church and our fellowship. Um, and so... Again, I'm just really excited about the message tonight. Uh, I've entitled this message tonight, Point of Decision, Point of Decision. And really, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk a, a little bit about the chronology of the Holy Week or, or the Passion Week. And uh, many of you may know that today, being Wednesday, is called Holy Wednesday. And so I'm going to kind of get into all of that. But, but really, I felt like God placed on my heart that today is a point of decision. And so I want to share a scripture with you. Joel 13, or I'm sorry, Joel 3:14 says this. It says, "Multitudes, multitudes, in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision." And so I just believe that, that the Lord is calling His people to make a decision today. Um, I was reading about points of decisions, and, uh, and you'll see often, maybe you've not realized this, uh, maybe you're like me, you take the elevator, but whenever you go into a public health or a public facility, it encourages you to take this, giving me a word, that is, a, see that next time that you, next time that you go to the doctor's office or whatever it is, it's going to encourage you to go take the stairs, I encourage you to do that, go take the stairs and get your steps in, uh, and so uh, there's a couple of scriptures that are, are pretty, uh, pretty well known as it relates to the decisions that we make. And, and they're both in very critical times. I was thinking about that and I was thinking about the current situation. We're in a global pandemic and there's a lot of things going on. And I, I, I'm here to tell you that we are in a time uh, that, that, uh, that requires a, a concise and a intentional decision uh, in a critical time like we're in. And so in the Old Testament, there's two different stories where there is a time uh, and really a point of decision that the leaders brought to the children of Israel or, or uh, yeah, the children of Israel. So in Joshua 24, 15, if you've been with us during our, our prayer live streams, I've, I've used this scripture a lot and I just believe that it's, it's something that God is resonating in my spirit, but we all know it. Uh, it's Joshua talking to the tribe of Israel. 
uh, or the, the Israelites. And he says, uh, verse 15, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I just pray that that's your scripture in this story. But he's there and he's, he's uh, confronting the prophets of Baal. And, and, and it, it's, uh, it's, a very, it's, it's a very dynamic story. But again, he makes this proclamation and move forward in that decision. And so 1 Kings 18, 21, it says this, Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. It goes on to say, but the people said nothing. Now, I, I want to tell you today that in the, in, in, in the middle of, of these critical times and, and there's a lot of things going on, I understand the impacts that, are, that, that are, uh, are, are, are being made, safer at home mandates. I understand that all of these things are coming in, a lot of tension and a lot of pressure on us. But I, I'm here to ask you today, who will you, cho- who will you choose and who will you decide to serve? Are you going to de- decide to serve God? the one that's shown himself faithful, the one, the creator of this world? Or are you going to pressure, or are you going to crumble under the pressure of this life? Now, I'm going to contrast on this Holy Wednesday two different stories, really two different trajectories in, in, in two different individuals' lives. And those two lives are Judas Iscariot and Jesus Christ. And so before I get into that, I want to I preface it with what is going on in this Holy Week and how we celebrate this and how we should really embrace this time as a born-again believer, as a Christian. And so many of us miss the glory of the Passion Week because, because of this fine detail. And it's very subtle. We understand that Jesus, loved, uh, that, that Jesus loves you. We understand that God has an incomprehensible love for his people. We understand in this story. And now let me, let me explain that. We need to understand that God sent Jesus into this world so that he would be glorified. Now, you need to understand that God didn't necessarily need us, but God loved us. That is because if we start to, if we start of that, uh, if, if it's for our own place world, if it's founded on Christ, a perfect person, then we'll see that as we go on, as we move forward, as we mature in our faith, that this becomes more and more precious to us. We begin, we begin to fall in love more and more with it. And so I want to share this excerpt that I read from a book called uh, The Pleasures of God. It says, we need to see first and foremost that God is God. So think about this this week. We need to see first and foremost that God is God, that he is perfect and complete in himself, that he is overwhelmingly help, happy in eternal fellowship of the Trinity. And that he does not need us to complete his fullness and not deficient without us. Rather, we are deficient without him. I I said, I'll say that one more time. I said, we are deficient without God. He goes on to say, unless we begin with God this way, when the gospel comes to us, we will inevitably put ourselves at the center of it. We will feel that our value rather than God's value is the driving force in the gospel. We will trace the gospel back to God's need for us instead of us tracing back to the sovereign grace that rescues sinners who need God. Now listen to this. If we're humble enough to understand that we play a very, very small 
almost insignificant role in all of this, we'll understand and we'll be happier that the world is not centered on us, a broken person, a broken man. I'm happy that this world is not centered upon me because we would all be in trouble. I'm, I am happy, I am overjoyed that this world and this story is centered on Christ alone. Now, I wanna talk to you, I, 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 as I was thinking and meditating and praying about what I wanted to share with you tonight, I thought how, uh, um, how relevant it would be for me to talk about the sequence of events in, uh, in this Holy Week or this Passion Week. And so I have a sequence of events, really a, an image that should be up there on the screen. And what I'm gonna ask you to, to pay uh, very close attention to is the red line. You'll see as it comes in on Sunday, there's a red line and, that's, and, and the name on that red line is Jesus. And I want you to remember this. I want you to really kind of uh, burn this image into your mind because I'm going to reference it as, as we go on through the uh, chronology of this week. And so uh, think about that. Think about where Jesus was. Think about on, on Wednesday, you'll see uh, a black line, which is Judas of Iscariot. And you see that he diverts. He's walking with Jesus. And on Wednesday, you see suddenly he drops down and then he comes back up with Jesus. And that blip, I believe that sometimes uh, we could find ourselves right there with Judas. And so I want you to, to think about that. I want you to, to kind of uh, burn that image into your mind, and I'm going to come back and reference that as we move through this, this message. So a couple of things that I want to highlight on, uh, during the sequence of events for this Passion Week. So we all know that day one is the triumphal entry of Jesus. Jesus comes in riding on a donkey, just as he had prophesied, fulfilling prophecies. And he comes in, and everyone is, 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 is praising him. Uh, Hosanna, the king, um, they're, they're declaring prophecies over him and, 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 and uh, lavishing him with praise and worship and love. One of the greatest, uh, one of the greatest messages or verses uh, out of this whole sequence of events on Palm Sunday is when, uh, is when the religious leaders go to Jesus and tell Jesus to tell his disciples to stop praising him. And Jesus' response to them is that if he was to tell his disciples to stop praising him, that the very rocks would cry out. Now that is power, church. That is power, and that is our Jesus, and that is our God. So day one is the triumphal entry. Day two, Jesus wastes no time. He goes right to work. And he goes right to work and he starts to clear out the temple. We know the story of him walking into the temple. He starts flipping tables. He starts whipping people and he's clearing the temple. And so he's beginning to, pro to provoke the religious leaders. Now, day three on Tuesday, I thought that this was very interesting. On Tuesday, it's really a day of ministry. And, uh, and if you study the Bible and you understand what, what's happening here, there's a thing called the uh, Olivet discourse, the Olivet discourse. And really this is his last discourse of four discourses in the Bible, in, in the book of Matthew that he's talking about. And as he's laying out this discourse or as he's preaching this message, he's preaching very specifically to the, to the religious leaders and to Israel really. And, and, and there's four parables that he ends this discourse on. And I think it's very important for us to understand this because we, we need to understand what is going on he understands that, that, uh, that the cross is imminent. He understands that the cross is coming. And so he's giving direction to the people. He's giving direction to his disciples and really, bring, really bringing them to a point of decision. Again, we're talking about points of decision. And so there's four parables that he talks about in the Olivet Discourse. The first one 
is, uh, is the one that he concerns a wicked servant uh, whose master punishes him upon his return. And so Jesus is talking about the kingdom of hand, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand and he is going to return. The second parable is the parable of 10 virgins. We know that story about the oil. And this encourages readiness and faithfulness, readiness and steadfastness in your commitment to God. The third one is relating the story of three servants and their misuse of finances. This is teaching faithfulness in the view of the fact that God's servants must, we must all give an account when he returns. And the last one is the parable of the sheep and the goats. And really this is a dividing of people, those that are saved and those that are unsaved. And so Jesus was very intentional about his message here on Tuesday. Now, I, I was looking at Wednesday, and I thought that this was very, very, uh, very, very interesting. If you look through the Bible, if you even study it uh, through, through other resources, you'll see that in, on Wednesday, there was no recorded activity of Jesus. And I thought that was very interesting. Now, there is recorded activity of the disciples, and you would know that on Wednesday was the, was the time that Judas decided to conspire with the religious leaders. Now, we could, we could assume a lot of things and we could theorize a lot of things. I'm going to do that just a little bit. Now, I do that with, with, with honor and reverence to, uh, towards the Bible. And so I don't want to say anything that's out of line. But I think that we could logically conclude on a couple of things. The first thing is that we often know that Jesus would isolate himself and pull himself away for times of ministry to himself, ministering to God, prayer, devotion, and these kinds of things. So it's my understanding or it's my conclusion that as Jesus went through Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, made these declarations on Tuesday about him being glorified. If you read in John, it says that he's got to be lifted up. And really what he's referring to is crucifixion. And so he's making these declarations. And what I believe is that he's reinforcing the things, the decisions that he's made and he's set in his mind. Now, as a natural person, we understand that Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. But in this time of a natural place, I believe that he was reinforcing these thoughts, reinforcing these convictions that he had, that he held so dearly in his life. And on Wednesday, I believe that he was meditating before God. I believe that he was, he was strengthening himself before the Lord. Now, I'm talking about contrasting two different trajectories or two, two different paths. You'll remember on the infographic that you saw that Judas was with Jesus that whole time. He was part of the 12 disciples. He came in, he saw the triumphal entry. He saw, he saw all, of the, uh, all, all of the praise that was lavished on him. On Tuesday, something happened. And on Tuesday, really, the, I believe that the wills began to, to, to move in Judas's heart and in his mind. On Tuesday, it was finally very definite that whatever Judas thought in his mind of how this was going to play out was very, very different. Jesus, I think, very clearly said that he was not going to be reestablishing or throwing over the Roman Empire and reestablishing a new kingdom here on earth at that time. And so, in that time, so at that point, I believe that Judas was at a point of decision. Now, we'll, go, we'll get into this, and you'll understand that Judas really was making a lot of different decisions on his way to this, to this critical point that led him to the place of betraying Jesus. And so... Uh, 
we, we understand that Thursday was, was a Passover and the Last Supper. Friday, Good Friday service. I want to encourage you to tune in on Friday. Pastor Omar is going to deliver a great message. And so I'm not going to go there. We're not going to talk about that tonight. Uh, and, then, and then Resurrection Sunday. And again, we're just excited about our Sunday service. And, uh, and, and also, I, I'd like to make sure that you know that uh, for our, our children's church, for our kingdom kids, there's going to be a special video and a craft for for the uh, for our, our toddlers and our young people. And so uh, tune in for that and make sure that everyone knows about that as well. And so really what I want to talk about, I want to talk about Judas first, and then we're going to talk about Jesus and contrast it. So there's four things that I that I looked at with Judas that I like to highlight for us. And, and, and as I was looking at this, I'll be very honest with you, church, I began to shudder within my spirit because I realized that Judas is very much like you and I. Judas was, was a disciple. Judas was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Judas had the authority that Jesus had given him to perform, perform miracles and healings and all these different things. Judas was a disciple. And so the first one was, the first thing that I want to, I want to consider is the commitment that he made. He made a commitment to Jesus. He, he forsake everything else in his life and made a commitment to Jesus. Now, many of us would say, well, if he's done that, then he's got to be a, good, a true disciple and all that kind of stuff. Well, I believe that his commitment at that time was very, very genuine, but something happened. What happened? And so you'll see that, again, Judas was, was empowered by the same uh, the, the same empowerment or bestowed the same empowerment that Jesus gave all the disciples when he said that in Luke 9, 1 and 2, he said, I gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So Judas was a preacher. Judas was a, a healing evangelist. Judas had it going on. The second thing that I realized is that he had an incredible opportunity. Now, many of us, we look for mentors. We look for people that could speak into our lives. We want, we want the pastor. We want the leader, whatever it is. Uh, we, we want their anointing. We want that double portion, all that kind of stuff. But consider Judas in this moment. Judas was walking with the Messiah. Judas was walking and talking and experiencing all the different miracles that Jesus was performing I read this about, uh, about Judas, and I, th and I think it summarizes it well. It says, he heard the Sermon on the Mount, and so he knew there is a narrow road that leads to life and a broad road that leads to destruction. He knew these things. He heard the warnings Jesus spoke to the Pharisees, so he knew there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. He heard the parable of the prodigal son, so he knew that God is ready to welcome and forgive those who have wasted themselves in many sins. And with Judas's own eyes, he saw the clearest evidence. With his own ears, he heard the finest teaching. With his own feet, he followed the greatest example. And yet this man still betrayed Jesus. With his ears, he heard the finest teaching. Uh, and I'm sorry, uh, uh, and yet this man betrayed Jesus. And so Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the human heart is beyond understanding and there is something incomprehensible about a person who abandons the faith that they profess. And so again, we're sitting here, we're thinking, how did he have these perfect examples and how did he end up where he's at? There's one thing that I want to speak to, maybe, uh, maybe a mom or a dad that's out there. And you may have a wayward child. You may have, you, you may have someone, uh, one, of your, one of your loved ones that have fallen away from the faith. And you, you're starting to play this out in your mind. How did this happen to me? 
I raised them in a good home. I raised them lovingly. I raised them in the ways of the Lord. How did they move on? How did they fall away from the faith? And I'm here to tell you that everyone has their own decision to make. We are, we're talking about a point of decision tonight. And the third thing, as I realized, as I was, talk, as I was thinking about this, is that Judas made a decision. He made a personal decision. And so we understand that, that Satan was chasing after him, that Satan was, was coming after him. But Judas had a decision to make, and Judas made his choice. And so many of us would say that, well, uh, uh, Satan entered into Judas Iscariot in Luke 22, or the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him in John 13 too, or, or even in John 13, 27, where it says that Satan entered him. Now, how does this happen? We understand that we're, when, when, when we're in the grace of God, that, that these things can't happen to us. We can't, we can't be uh, infiltrated. We can't, um, the Satan can't get to us, that God, we're in God's protection. And so something had to happen. Think about that. And so listen to this. From the very beginning, Judas had been stealing from the collective money bag. And when he kept this sin secret, Satan entered, entered him. And so when he kept this sin secret, it says that Satan entered him. And so he made a deal with the chief priest and then sat down at the Lord's table. Listen to this. When he, when he fell away on that Wednesday, when he went to go conspire off of that off of that graphic, when he went to go conspire with the religious leaders. He then came back, you'll see on Thursday, he's sitting at the Lord's Supper. He's sitting at that Last Supper. And that's where Jesus refers to him and tells him, go do what you, what, what you intend to do. And so he went and conspired, came back and sat at the Lord's table. And with the known sin, he would not confess and Satan entered even further into his life. This is what I wanna tell you right now. Christian, that unconfessed sin will always leave the door open to Satan. I'm gonna say that one more time. Unconfessed sin will always leave the door open to Satan. And once Satan has a foothold, our lives could be a real mess. There's a term that I, that I, that I heard about, that I learned about from, from uh, a conversation that I had. And, and, and this guy that I was talking to, he's a pilot. And he was talking about this term that, that uh, many pilots understand. It's called spatial disorientation. And I thought this was very, very interesting because uh, really it has to do with, with the pilots and how they reference, um, how they reference their, their, uh, their direction uh, when, when, um, when there's lack of visibility and things like that. And I'm here to tell you this, that unconfessed sin and sin in our lives can create a spatial disorientation. Now, many of you know the tragedy that happened with Kobe Bryant and those that were on, uh, that, were, those that were on that plane. And what had happened was that he lost visibility the pilot wasn't able to see anything. And most pilots understand that in that moment that you have to trust your instrumentation. You have to trust all the things, all of your protocols and processes that have been put in place. I'm here to tell you that God has given us a protocol. God has given us a process. And what that is, is humility. What that is, is, is uh, the intimate place. What that is, is God's word. What that is, is repentance. And so I'm telling you today that if you have unconfessed sin, if you have things in your life, don't allow Satan to have a foothold, but, uh, but get that sin out of your life by confessing it to someone and allow God to come into your life. 
Don't be lost in spatial disorientation. Don't be lost in a place where you don't know what's up or down, what's left or right. If you're, if you're in a place of confusion, I'm here to tell you right now that that's, an, that's a lie from the enemy and we're here to destroy that right now in Jesus' name. The fourth thing that I, I realized with, with Judas after he made this choice is that uh, he embraced the outcome. And if you see in that, if you remember in that, in that graphic that I showed you, you see that he bleeps down and he comes down and he conspires with, with the religious leaders. He comes back up and he's with Jesus and they're walking. And then all of a sudden Jesus gets picked up on Thursday and, 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 he, goes to, and he goes to trial on Friday. And you'll see, if you remember in that graphic, Judas ends up dead. And I'm, I'm here to tell you this, that the story of Judas will always remind us that nothing good can come from leaving Jesus. Nothing good could ever come from us leaving Jesus. And so uh, you'll see those two trajectories or those two paths change very significantly. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that, uh, I'm, I'm here to say this to you, that only those who have never known him can remain indifferent to him. So those that have, only those that have never known Christ can remain indifferent to him. Those that have known Christ, those that have walked with Christ, there's two outcomes that, 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 are, uh, uh, that are eventual. And it's those who get close, uh, the only outcomes are full devotion or eventual resentment. Only two ways, full devotion or eventual resentment. There's no halfway in, halfway out. There's no, I'm gonna ride the fence and, and, and work on this and, and see where it goes. There's none of that. You're either going to become, and you're either gonna become resentful or fully devoted. And I'm, I'm here talking to you today about a point of decision. I'm asking you to make a decision today. What are you going to do? Are you going to be like, Judy, like Judas and, and, uh, and, and, be, uh, uh, and be thrown off track by the things of this world? Or are you going to be like Jesus and stay the course? Now, I told you I wanted to contrast that. And so I was thinking about Jesus and I was thinking about our Messiah and our Lord and I was thinking about what was it that kept him going? What was it? He knew it. He knew what was coming. He knew as a natural man, as a, as a physical man, he understood the terrible things that were coming to him. He even, he even mentions it in John, towards the end of John. He says, he says what should I do? Should I ask God to, to take this cup from me? Should I ask God for this not to happen? No. He, he, he made a declaration. He made a commitment to finish the course. And I'm here to tell you that in this point of decision, even right now, even tonight, make your decision tonight. And, I, and I'd encourage you to make the decision to finish the course. What God has begun in you, God is faithful to complete it. And so three things that I saw in Jesus's life that I, I, I love and that I, I think could inspire us even now in our situation. The first thing is, is that Jesus had resolved to glorify God with his life. I said, Jesus had resolved to glorify God with his life. I think about this oftentimes and I pray this with my family. I say that, I, I, I ask God to make us a tool and a vessel for his kingdom so that he would be glorified through us. And I pray that that's your prayer today and your family, that God would be glorified through your life. Now, the only way we could do that is by staying the course and staying committed. The second thing that I think about when I see, when I see uh, Christ and we know that this week is the Passion Week, Christ had a passion for God's will. Now, he, 
he uh, demonstrated that by going to the cross. But even before that, he made declarations that made it very, very clear as to where his heart was and where his mind was. I love the scripture in John, uh, John 4, 34, where, where he says his response to his disciples when they say, hey, Jesus, take it easy, you, you need to eat. His response to his disciples were, my food is to, do, is to be doing the will of him who sent me and to bring it to completion. I'm gonna say that one more time. His food is to be doing the will of him who sent him and to bring it to completion. That means I'm not gonna go halfway and call it quits. I'm not gonna go um, almost all the way uh, and, and call it quits. I'm going to see it all the way through to completion. The last thing that I saw in Jesus's life on this Wednesday as he's contemplating, as he's praying, as he's, as he's being strengthened, in the, in, uh, in the presence of the Lord, preparing for what's to come Thursday and Friday. The last thing that I saw was commitment. Jesus was a man of commitment. And I appreciate so often uh, our pastor, Pastor Omar, talks about commitment and, and challenges really his leaders and, and, and those that are part of this church. Um, at, at, at what level of commitment are you willing to take? And so I have this excerpt, and I'm going to quote Pastor Omar out of one of his messages. It says this. It says, your commitments define your life. And how many would say that the commitment that Christ made in going to the cross defined his life on earth? He go, it goes on to say, you are the sum total of your commitments. Tell me what you're committed to, and I'll tell you the direction you're headed. We all know where that, where that left Judas, Right? goes on to say, weak people are controlled and dominated and directed by their circumstances. I, I want to tell you, church, don't allow the circumstances of this life, don't allow the current situation of this life deter you. Weak people are controlled and dominated and directed by circumstances, but strong people are directed and determined by their commitments. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those who hearts whose hearts are fully committed to him. And so God, if you're fully committed to him, God is there to strengthen you. Pastor Omar goes on to say, therefore, we don't live by our feelings and our emotions. We don't live by our feelings and our emotions. We live by our commitments. You can logically justify what you emotionally want. We live by our commitment, not by our emotions. Emotions will deceive you. Feelings are based on what's going on around you. But commitments are based on the foundations of truth that never change. And so we're talking about a point of decision here and we're talking about commitment and we're, we're contrasting really the, the path that Judas took and the path that Jesus took. And I'm here to ask you, church, I'm here to ask you that are watching right now, choose today what you would do. Choose today are you going to allow the things of this life? Are you going to allow the, the emotional roller the, the emotional roller coaster, uh, the the um, the hysteria of the media? Really, uh, and, and 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 for those I don't want to minimize for those that are are, are sick, and, and we have those uh, even part of our congregation, family members that are, that are in this congregation that we're praying for and we're believing God for. But in in spite in in spite of that, and with that are we still going to commit our lives to God? And so we really need to make a decision. I love uh, what, what we read here about, there's two outcomes for those that know Christ. There's two outcomes. You're either going to resent God 
and you're going to live a life of apathy and fall away, or you're gonna be wholly devoted to God. And tonight I wanna encourage you that you would make a decision to wholly devote your life to God. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.